after 8 p.m. And uh, yeah, it's our tech conversations here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, a lot of, um, yeah, I guess stories doing the rounds. I mean, uh, just had a thread here coming through from uh, Brian Mjuli saying, uh, in terms of uh, what's happening with the DSTV and, um, you know, uh, multi-choice, uh, sorry, multi-choice and uh, uh, Russia TV. Uh, also, uh, yeah, seeing a message here coming through. I'm not sure. Uh, around the authenticity of this one. So we'll just have to check something insofar as uh, an EU directive to France, which is, uh, you know, where I guess multi-choice, according to this message, gets its feed of RT from and uh, having challenges in accessing that because the French company has had to, you know, cut that uh, feed of Russia TV. So, yeah, if indeed that's true and uh, you might have an authentic statement there, do let us know. And, uh, yeah, it would be great if you can share that. We now shift our attention to uh, our story tonight for our tech conversations and we look at the story of Kolela Masebeni uh, who allegedly transferred 103 million into six bank accounts while working in the IT division of APSA. Now he was sadly shot and killed this past weekend while out on bail uh, alongside his wife and uh, yeah the big question mark we ask tonight is how does all of the money flow, uh, what technology is used and more importantly how do forensic analysts make sense of it? Joined this evening by Yaku Diyaha, CEO at Association for Certified Fraud Examiners. Yaku, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Aya. Good evening, listeners. Thank you very much. Yaku, maybe just uh, first before we start, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, what is it and uh, what is it that you do? Well, we are an international organization that uh, trains certified fraud examiners. That's your um, in, uh, people that's uh, recognized internationally as uh, fraud fighters. Mm. We, uh, they're involved in fraud prevention, detection, investigation. We've got um, people uh, in 195 countries, more than 90,000 uh, members locally. Uh, we've got a South African chapter um, and uh, we're 14,000 members on our database. And we also look after eight other African countries and their chapters. And uh, we go the extra mile, not only um, training certified fraud examiners, uh, we also registered as a professional body with uh, SAFA, South mm. African Qualifications Authority, and then uh, we regulate our members. So they need to abide by our code of ethics and professional standards and international bins, uh, best practice. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a full mouth, but um, we, uh, we, we help them. We, we protect the, the, the public, the general public, yeah. um, by, by regulating them, but we also help them in, in, in training them and also providing certain tools to them so they mm. can uh, easily spot uh, fraudsters yeah. and then uh, help protect our lovely country in, in, in that so, way. Yaku, I mean, talk to me about under what circumstances corporations would call in your members. I mean, where, at what stage, I guess, in a, you know, a fraud case or in a forensic case or a case requiring forensic ability would your members well there's there's a, there's a number of times that they will call our members in um, unfortunately to be reactive so only when they they see that they they've incurred the loss uh, or potential loss then they will get someone in to come and uh, look at their internal systems processes procedures um, also look at whether the the flow of money is what happened to the um, in, in, in a specific instance who's who's at fault who needs to be criminally charged and similarly uh, um, cases being brought against them. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of companies still sit within that. I would say 50% of organizations, but then you've got your big organizations that's proactive. So they'll get the, the members already in from the start. They'll employ them, and what they will do is they'll, uh, they will get members to 
proactively look at what um, what's happening internationally, um, what um, what do they suspect can occur in a specific department. Being proactive then uh, to, to implement the necessary steps, uh, procedures, policies um, to to combat fraudsters and make sure that they don't um, um, come to the organisation. I know of one organisation I used to work for. Um, we we were a team of CFEs and we were able to protect the organisation um, uh, as much as 80% of all cases that we reported uh, was proactive. So we mm. could stop the the flow out of money, um, preempting what's going to happen, charge the fraudsters, and then um, protect the organisation that way. Um, when when you look at the definition of fraud, if if I'm allowed to. And um, I'm going to simplify it. The, the definition of fraud is uh, when misrepresentation is happening from one party to another, mm. the other act upon it um, to its potential or, or actual uh, detriment. So even where someone is uh, trying to sell you, for instance, a car, um, uh, which does not belong to him, and uh, if you take out the money and you, you buy the car from that person and he defrauds you, um, then that's an actual loss. But if you're clever enough to say that something is fishy, I'm not going to spend the money, um, and, and you stop the process, doesn't mean that fraud did not occur because mm. misrepresentation did occur. Yes, yes. Um, then that, that's also fraud. So that, uh, that's the proactive uh, uh, way of going about and knowing what, what fraud's all about. Mm. And if we were to apply that to, uh, the, I guess, this case here, uh, at APSA, I mean, I guess a lot of these facts are public, so we can't really may- maybe talk through it. Uh, involving one Kalela Masebeni, 103 million uh, spread into six bank accounts. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, normally, how, how does this work? Um, you know, where this type of fraud and misrepresentation happens and money is accumulated. How is it spread? To what type of jurisdictions would it be sent uh, where it can't be either traced or, I guess, repatriated back? Well, let's look at a couple of things when we look at that um, uh, that news article. Mm. Um, first off, uh, it's still being investigated. That's why they were charged. Um, they they got bail, but the investigating officer said he's still uh, getting all the information and evidence together. Yes. So I'm, I don't want to talk to to that specific matter, but I'm going to talk in general. Okay. If we look at 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 uh, at, at IT where this guy worked. Um, it fits the, the ACT model where we say that 96% of cases where IT um, is involved in fraud, it's, it's happening internally. Mm. So that, that's a shocking statistic. I'm going to, to call another statistic, and it actually talks to the question that you asked me earlier, when should you get a CSE involved with your organization? 64% of fraud happens internally or with the systems of someone internally. That's in general. So IT-wise, to, to, get, uh, the, to go after IT systems, 96% of our organization is internally. In general, all companies, uh, 64% of fraud happens internally. So it talks to the people that you employ um, and, and your, your trust within your organization. Mm. So in, in that, that says that two out of three people are... Um, uh, might be involved in fraud within your organization. Now, if you run an organization like APSA, it just talks to... and, and it, uh, you, can, you can talk to ESCOM, you can talk to PRASA, you can talk to all the other organizations as well. Mm. 
um, two-thirds of your people are likely to commit fraud. We talk also about the 70-20-10 rule. Now, uh, you can think of this uh, as yourself. So you get 10% of people that will never, ever commit a fraud or any crime for that matter. They will not even drive in the yellow line. Mm. Then you get 20% of the people that will do everything in their... Um, in, in, they, they, they create an opportunity to commit a crime or to do uh, what, uh, whatever the rules say, they will do the opposite. Mm. So that's the people that would park, for instance, in your disabled parking spots. Or, sure, sure. Um, they, will, uh, they will not even stop for a red, uh, traffic light. They will go over it once it's uh, turning red. Um, so they do everything um, against the law. And then you've got 70% of people that sit on the borderline. That will go either either way. They will either commit fraud or they or they will not commit fraud. Uh, it depends on the situation, and we can talk a little bit later about the fraud triangle as well. Now, in this specific case, you ask the question um, how this person might have committed the fraud. So we, there's various ways to commit fraud with the, with the IT knowledge this person had and the position he, he held uh, within the banking environment. Um, and we, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an explanation now on one of two scenarios. Mm. What I can tell you is, when we look at how quickly um, the fraud was detected, um, it is quite clear that the people involved in the forensic department is quite capable. And, and the, let me tell you why I say this. Usually when we talk about financial schemes, now this is a financial scheme. Sure. It takes up to 18 months before it's detected. What? This forensic department picked it up within three. And I can tell you, it took them three months not to detect it. It took them three months to put a case together, to open a case with the police, and to stop him. It was less than three months. So the ability for APSA to clamp down on the, the actions of this person talks a lot about the, the, um, the division as such. It also talks to the um, systems they've put in place to detect fraud, mm. the flow of money uh, internally and externally. Remember, they also regulate it um, by FICA. So if they see suspicious transactions, they also need to um, notify um, the FIC about these transactions. Anything about uh, about 24,999 um, rand needs to be disclosed and communicated to, uh, to the FIC. So uh, banks don't have the luxury of sitting idly and, and um, hoping that they will detect. There's, mm. a, there's a duty on them to report. And if they don't report, like, the, the head of the department can be, be fined and the CEO can go to jail. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot happening within the, the regulation environment. Well, now, would, you say, would you say, Yaku, that I guess... This might have been quicker because of how heavily regulated the banking space is and the yeah. share, sharing of information. And, of course, the system would lend itself to picking up all of these red flags. Yeah. Now, they, they, you, you must understand that when we talk about a forensic division within APSA, we're not, or any banks for that matter, we're not just talking about a division. Mm. We're talking about multiple divisions within a forensic division. Mm. So you've got different specialists. You've got IT auditors. So a lot of companies don't have that in place, but banks do. 
So they've got auditors that audit the IT systems and the IT personnel. And, and a lot of times the IT personnel don't even know this. So there, there's, and, and they are being audited. So there's, there's legislation that looks after them. Um, and, and this is most likely the reason why it was picked up so quickly, the mm. movement of funds. And especially, and, and we don't know yet where exactly the funds were moved. We know about six different bank accounts. But was it local bank accounts or international bank accounts? And I can tell you, a lot of the syndicates, what they would usually do is they'll, they'll also um, transfer funds to offshore accounts like in Mauritius, where APSA also have a branch. Um, so they will look at bank accounts and banking entities that is similar to their own in order to get the money and flow as quickly as possible and the, the lesser questions being asked about the flow of money. Mm, mm, mm. And, and, and I guess the other de- destination markets for some of this money, I mean, in cases where it's, it's, it's taken offshore, um, I mean, many people were asking themselves, would there be places where you can send this money where it can't necessarily be detected or there wouldn't be, I no, guess, I whatever mean, agreement? It's just, um, we, we live in a digital age. Mm. So in order to, to, to move funds nowadays, it's so quickly, there's, there's different types of accounts that you can make use within the banking industry. But you can also take that to, to, um, to other currencies, um, internet currencies like your Bitcoin. Sure, sure. So it's easy to, to, to transfer money nowadays into these accounts. The, the benefit and the nice thing about it, even those accounts now get to be um, heavily regulated. There was a recent uh, legislation that was put in place in the U.S. Um, to, uh, to heavily regulate now Bitcoin and any other um, type of currency that, uh, that's internet-based. You must understand Bitcoin is but one currency that you get. Uh, mm. there's, there's, if I remember correctly, there's more than 140 different uh, currencies currently that you can make use of um, amongst the countries, so, and which is accepted. So one needs to be very careful in, in how you transact, um, and, and fraud just knows how to do this. This is, this is their daily bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um, they go after this um, and, and, and really think that they are clever enough to, to um, think of new schemes. What's, what's nice to know is, um, just for the general public out there, is because it's our money. You must understand yeah. the money that, that gets missing from, from an app or F&B or whatever. It's our money. We invest our money and they need to reinvest it. They sell it on uh, through loans and other schemes. Hmm. So if, if, if 103 million rand goes missing, it's not access money. Yes, part of it is their money because they ask for fees, etc., etc. But it's our money um, that we've invested with that organization. So what's nice to see is that the necessary policies, procedures, and, and processes is in place to detect it as quickly as they've done, and that they go after the fraudsters. Um, what's bad is, and, and unfortunately this happened, is that this person, specific incidents, the person um, was killed, um, which tells me that the possibility of him being the only person involved is slim. slim yeah. So there's a, there would have been other people involved, mm-hmm. and they tried to, to silence him, most likely tried to silence the person because he, he would have come forward with all the information. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately for them, this is an indicator that they don't need to look only at, at what happened with the person, but they need to now go and scratch further. Most likely they've already done that. You need to go and scratch further 
um, to the ownership of the other accounts mm. and, and also uh, plotting the, the money trail to, to see where it went to, who the deductions, um, video surveillancing was done already. And there's a lot of things that would have, would have happened already. And that, that's why I say I don't really want to discuss investigative process, but um, uh, we we know that they that they are busy with with, with this crime scene. Yeah. I see this the whole thing as a crime scene. Last one on my end, Yaku. Before we let you go, I mean, you you spoke about I guess you know how the money can go into different currencies, digital currencies in some cases. Talk to me about the impact of the dark web, and I mean, how in the world of forensics you you're able to deal and navigate uh, what might end up happening or things that might get lost in the dark web. You get the dark web and you get the deep web. A lot of mm. people don't know about that as well. So the dark web is usually where people do transactions. Um, so what will happen is they will help um, facilitate terrorism transactions or money laundering, or they will even help with uh, prostitution or kidnapping and, and those type of things happen mm. there. Uh, so what they will do is they will get other people that's on the web to, to actively be involved uh, in helping to, to get rid of the money. And when I say get rid, I'm not saying go and buy cars, but um, clean the money. So they will um, get other ways in, in depositing money into accounts. For instance, uh, false uh, or stolen bank cards. You can buy that on the web and you can load the money on there and then you can use the money by to, to go to any ATM and withdraw it from there and discard the card thereafter. So there's other ways in, in dealing with it. And then you get the... Um, the deep web, where the real serious stuff is happening, and, and in order to get there, you need to have an um, introduction, and uh, but that's serious stuff, uh, discussion for another day. Yeah. Your discussion about the dark web, um, a lot of things is happening there. Any, mm. any person actually get involved in, in getting, getting into the dark web, but I must tell you, once you're in, you're in. Um, people know who you are, uh, they can trace you. Um, the the hackers and crackers are, are not stupid people, mm. um, and um, you don't want to be caught in in, in, in that spot. Yaku, let's leave it there. Uh, real pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much. Um. Yeah, Yaku Diaka, they're speaking to us um, from uh, yeah the association uh, of certified fraud examiners. Hey, dark web, deep web. Oh, the things people do on the internet. Save extra at Checkers Liquor Shop. Like 750 ml KWV 10 year old brandy for just $259.99. Plus, get 1.25 liters appetizer free. Save 65 Rand. Valid till 9 March in store.